business class listeners. Welcome to episode number 206 on Wisco Weekly. And for this introduction, I just want to let this music simmer for you, get you in the mood for this episode. So this is going to be a good episode here for you. Let me tell you why. Because I am wrong. I am a stubborn man. And for years, I've thought of the many ways that content creators can hack the system to grow their following and to become a household name by purely accumulating views and followers on just social media. I've followed and researched some of the biggest content creators from the DIY home renovation space to vloggers to aspiring film students to thought leaders and to see how they have accumulated millions and sometimes billions of views and they've also been able to accumulate millions of followers. And after studying this for more than five years, my research failed. After thinking that there was such a creative way to hack the system, there is not. But there is a tried and true method to capture the attention of the masses. And that's what my guest will be discussing today. Joining me on the show as a co-host, though, is Anna Rubashova. Anna is my Czech teacher, and she is also a digital nomad who is originally from the Czech Republic, but currently lives in Mexico. You will be hearing from her often in upcoming episodes. Later in the episode, I will be asking my guest a bonus question. If you want to hear, actually correct that, if you want to watch her answer, you can see the video on 24hourjournal.substack.com. This bonus segment is for paid subscribers. So again, visit 24hourjournal.substack.com, become a paid subscriber, and you can access not only this bonus segment, but all bonus segments all exclusive access to Substack. All the exclusive access will contain news and education that surround the improvement of the freelancer. And look, if you don't want to become a paid subscriber just yet, no worries. You can sign up and you can become a free subscriber and access limited content. So let's get into this episode with my guest, Jocelyn Davis, who helps us understand how to get the attention of Hollywood. You are now tuned in to the Wisco Weekly Experience. Mabuhay, bienvenidos, vitaite, willkommen, and welcome to Wisco Weekly Business Class listeners. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the show. And I am goddamn happy right now. I get to have this conversation with some new people, some new people you're going to meet on the show. And one in particular is a very good friend of mine. She was a Czech teacher. She's the blondest blonde living in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. I want you all to please welcome the new co-host for Wisco Weekly, Anna Rubashova. Anna, how are you? 
Hi, Denise. Thank you for a nice introduction. So I don't know if I'm the blondest of blonde here, because here there are so many people from U.S. <laughs> so, They're not blonde, though, are they? I mean, you oh, have to stick are. out like a sore thumb. <laughs> oh, they are. But thank you very much. I'm really excited for today. So I hope that we will enjoy it. Well, so Ana, tell us something here. Since you're coming to us from Playa del Carmen, what mm -hmm. what does Playa del Carmen look like right now? What's the give us let us live vicariously through you? Tell us what's going on in Playa del Carmen right now. Well, Playa del Carmen is a place where I would say the party never ends. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> every day feels like a holiday if you want, of course. But if you want to live here, as I do, I'm actually living here almost one month right now. So um, it's a little bit different. Uh, I'm definitely trying to get my routine and doing some normal things not just uh, going out even though i have to say there are so many uh, digital nomads and also so many places for digital nomads where you could work you can see so many people with their computers phones cameras recording taking pictures and this is for me specifically this is something that motivates me a lot wow. amazing now anna do you know what is something that playa del carmen and our guest have in common? <laughs> what uh, Playa del Carmen and our guest have in common? Yes. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. Well, let me tell you. Our guest was uh, in the hit TV show, The Amazing Race. And there, are, I don't know which season it was, but there was definitely a season, apparently, that they did some episodes in Playa del Carmen. So... Our guests and Playa del Carmen have something in common. Now, Amazing. That, so that takes us to our guest, Anna. So let me introduce who our guest is and what we're going to be talking about today. Our guest today is a longtime professional of the Hollywood entertainment industry. She's an alumna of UC Irvine, which is also my alma mater, Ripa Meters. She served as host and producer to Clever TV, a pop culture media channel, which has accumulated over 2 million YouTube subscribers and 1.2 billion views. She's appeared as herself in several TV shows, including E! True Hollywood Story, Hollywood Estate Date, and like I said, the fun and adventurous TV show, The Amazing Race. Currently, you can find her on her YouTube channel, Jocelyn Davis, where she vlogs on her Hollywood lifestyle and also going back and forth between California and Arizona. I'm sure we'll hear more of that. So men, women of, of my business class, please welcome Miss Jocelyn Davis. Jocelyn. Wow, what an introduction. I need you to just come with me before I enter a room. So <laughs> have you introduce me. It's nice to be here. It's nice to see you again and to meet you, Anna. And I'm just excited about our conversation. Thanks well, for having me. Yeah. I mean, uh, Jocelyn, as I said before, um, as I've kind of was thinking about who I'd want to talk to about this, uh, obviously we know each other from college, but certainly what I find really admirable is you know, most industries, especially Hollywood, is very fickle. So people come and go, come and go. But you have been able to get yourself in the network 
and fight to stay alive and stay relevant and know people right and so and that this is this is always now going to be part of you whether if it's 100% of you or 50% you now are ingrained in the hollywood culture and that's kind of what i want to talk about today with you is what has been your hollywood experience and if you can maybe just share what that is so if people are interested in breaking into it or if you know people Hell, if they want to get out of it, I don't know. Maybe you have some tips for that, too. So maybe for starters, Jocelyn, uh, give us much, much like Anna was giving us an assessment of what's going on in Playa del Carmen. What's your overall assessment of Hollywood at the moment? Wow. How much time do you have? <laughs> um, you know, I think it's a really interesting time in the entertainment industry and specifically the entire time I've been in the business, even just peripherally when I was first starting out. Um, I started kind of trying to break into really the entertainment news world when I was 23. So this has been over 15 years at this point. And as you guys will remember, you know, 20 years ago or so, the way that we consumed content, whether it was a movie or a TV show or a radio show, because podcasts didn't even exist, there was little to no social media. We were consuming content via magazines, which also barely exist anymore, <laughs> newspapers and traditional television, movie theaters. And the landscape has completely changed over the last 20 years. And for me, that's actually really a positive thing because I was a very, very early adopter, adapter to the digital world and really was one of the first people to get into that business from really a business perspective and, and launching a company and starting a brand that was really exclusively digital clever, which you mentioned, which grew into a much larger company. I was a part of the founding team there. We sold that company and merged with another company. And those were really the early days. I'll never forget, you know, my mom and dad's friends asking me constantly, when are you going to get a real job? And, you know, slowly, 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 but surely, We've all made the transition. Everyone's grandma even has a Facebook or a Twitter account or whatever. So we really are fully living in this digital space. And I think that's what's so unique about media and also Hollywood at the moment is that we live in this space where when we were kids growing up, if you wanted to be an actor or you know, a journalist or any kind of content creator, you had to go on an audition, go on an interview. You had to ask permission for people to give you those opportunities. And now we're in this really unique space where you no longer need to ask permission. If you want to make a show or be in a show, just make it yourself. So that and then you can ask for forgiveness later. I you mean, know, if you don't, if or you don't not, ask for or not. So I think that's really unique and an amazing opportunity. When I, when I talk to people about how do I break in, how do I do X, Y, and Z? There are so many paths, so many paths. There's no one clear path. Obviously there are steps that people take that are similar frequently, but really my main advice is just go do it, do whatever it is. Do you want to make, do you want to be on a podcast? Make your own podcast. Do you want to, you know, be a successful entertainment news journalist, create a TikTok account and start posting that type of content. So I think that's really what makes Hollywood, the digital space or the media space unique is that 
anyone can be a content creator, which is also dangerous, obviously, as well. You have to really vet the kind of content you're watching, depending on what genre it falls into. But the same goes for film and television shows as well. You can make your own TV show, if we even want to call it that now, and put it on YouTube or put it on any of these other platforms and create something yourself. So I think that's the most unique thing about the content space, the media space, inclusive of Hollywood productions. And not only that, this kind of content is also the norm and taken seriously. If I would have talked to you maybe 10 years ago, people were like, I'm making a show on my YouTube channel. People would have been like, you're cute. That's adorable. And now people are like, yeah, I'm making a show on my YouTube channel. And you know, I just landed a $4 million budget or whatever. So it's very much made that transition where digital media is the driving force period. So that that's probably the most unique transition, I guess, that I've seen in Hollywood and something I've always been excited about because I always believed it was only a matter of time before it would happen. Funny story, actually, that kind of ties in with you and I, Dennis, when I was a senior in college, which okay. was 2005 or 2004. I can't really remember because I kind of had an extra year added on there. Um, we had something at our school that was a competition within the Greek fraternity and sorority system called Greek Song Fest. And it was this huge annual thing where fraternities and sororities would team up to perform a musical. And I know like just saying it sounds kind of ridiculous because very few of us were professionals and really had no business singing and dancing on, on um, stage. But at any rate, it was one of the biggest annual things that happened every year at our college. My senior year, we were partnered with the fraternity that Dennis was in and we won the whole thing. We swept the whole thing. It was very exciting. R remind me, remind me, Justin. What, so what, what was the theme for then in that collaboration? It was the musical Chorus Line, which Chorus is a Broadway line. musical. And I was in it, as were a bunch of people that we both know. And I can remember one of the guys from your fraternity was like, you know what? I'm going to throw this up on YouTube. And I can remember thinking to myself, that is so dumb. Like, why would we put that on YouTube? No one's going to care about us. No one's going to care who's in this. It's still on YouTube and it has a lot of views. That's amazing. So I just, that was one of my first introductions to YouTube. I definitely believed in digital video. I just couldn't understand why people would want to watch me and my friends like do a mediocre job at singing and dancing. <laughs> well, the, the, the Greek song fest. So Anna, this event was mm -hmm. really, it was because it was put on by college students. You didn't really think it was that big of a deal, but it, it was a, Huge. it was a, a professional setup. I mean, and you had, I don't know how, how many there's, I know capacity of the Bren center, which is where it mainly took place was like 5,000 people. It would sell out 5,000 people would come. They would hang out. They would enjoy, they would clap. They would party. It, I mean, it was a big party really at the end of the day. I will tell you though, Jocelyn, that when, you know, I participated in Songfest one year and the only thing I can tell you about it was that for me, and if you know anything about Filipinos, we love karaoke. So oh, yeah. that's how it was basically sold to me it was like, oh, come and <laughs> sing. And I was like, oh, OK, yeah, we're just going to like basically sing karaoke. That makes sense. And then we had to get dressed up and do dances. I was like, oh, wow, this is getting way too complicated for me. So it was very serious. But fun fact, 
at least one of the people, well, one of my friends who was in that show is now a very successful Broadway star. So maybe that's why the video did well on YouTube because her name is in it or something, but that's a fun little YouTube, a fun little YouTube story. Well, so tell me about this then, Jocelyn, because obviously the, the, the impotence of uh, digital media making its way year by year. And after, I don't know, I guess you could say t- over two decades now, digital media it plays a bigger role in Hollywood. You still have to match everything that a content creator does to the business side. Obviously, you were also on the business side. How do you see those two you know, areas m- mixing together? Well, they are definitely intermingled, whether you like it or not. One of the biggest pieces of advice that I give people when they're just starting off, whether it's in acting or in, you know, becoming a journalist, doing any sort of freelance job where they're in charge of, and this is one of my least favorite topics, where they're in charge of their own taxes or something like that. You have to absolutely run yourself like a business, not just from a professional, like I'm showing up on time. I'm showing up to the meetings that I'm supposed to be at. I'm having professional conversations with people. I can carry myself correctly. And whatever that means for the the occasion, it also means that if you want to be successful and not stressed out, (laughs) you also need to either a align yourself with people who understand the business of the business, or you need to take steps yourself to understand how it all kind of works together because most content creators are lone wolves do have their own LLCs and do have their own production companies, at least the people who are kind of bigger and really scaling Um, so I do think that's absolutely imperative. I do know that, that it doesn't come easily to everyone. So I always just recommend finding a good business manager or a good CPA, (laughs) because that is definitely a a big part of this business, whether you want to recognize it or not, when you get your tax bill at the end of the year, it's better if it, if it's an easy pill to swallow. (laughs) Okay. And well, I have a question. So what about some freelancers from other countries? Is they are on the same position or do you think that they have it a little bit more complicated? Are you talking about people that move to the U S to work or that are working in their home countries? They are working in their home countries. I actually would like to hear from both perspectives. Yeah. Both perspective, but well, that's what I was thinking first. Well, you might have actually a lot of really great insight into that. I myself have only really worked in the United States. I've shot in other parts of the world and in other um, places outside of the US. And, um, but as far as like having a freelance lifestyle in another country, it's not something I'm super familiar with, but I can say at least coming from more of a YouTube background, I think it's very similar for creators that I know and that I've met that create content in other countries and in other languages, I think it's very similar. I think from the business perspective, if you're talking more about like the back end of the business, that's something that's so unique to each country and each state and each city. So that's something I definitely couldn't speak to, but in terms of actually making the content, I think that's something that's super interesting is that when you look at, for example, the Marvel franchise, that might be a film franchise that 
has its origins in the United States, but it's absolutely enjoyed around the world. So to me, that's really emblematic of the idea that people around the world really enjoy very similar types of content. So if you take that on a different scale and maybe align that with making YouTube content or TikTok content or whatnot, I think you can sort of, you know, look at maybe what an American YouTube creator is doing and be like, Hey, maybe I'm going to try that in my language in my country. And another really cool thing is that a lot of content that people are making totally transcends language. I love watching dance content. I love professional dancing and that is enjoyed in any language in any country. I think you can really have respect for that art medium. So I don't know that that fully answers your question as far as like how people get started, but I think really it comes down to, do you have an iPhone? Do you have an Android phone that has a nice camera? And do you have some sort of editing software? Just go for it. Jocelyn, you said something there that I I don't think should be understated. um, Because again, if we look at this tactically, right? And how do you break through into Hollywood, regardless of your location. You had brought up the example of Marvel Comics or the Marvel brand and how they're they're able to transcend borders. And why is that? Well, it's because there is something that everyone around the world is drawn to with that, uh, you know, with that brand. So then how can you take your content and make it appealing to the broadest sector. I know that almost sounds somewhat cliche and generic, but I don't think that should be understated either. No, I agree. And that's something really cool that most of the digital platforms have fully incorporated into their interface are um, the fact that you can do closed captions in almost any language. So um, I know people who don't speak English as their first language, but who are trying to use YouTube as a way to learn English or perfect their English. Maybe you could use this for your check, actually. Um, so we'll play with the subtitle. You should hear my check first. <laughs> on different kinds of content. But but yeah, I think the world is is a big place, but it's also very small. And I think that's also inclusive of what people find entertaining and interesting. Hey, are you familiar with the content creator, Mr. Beast? Oh, yes. I mean, he's a great example, right? His audience is global. Well, one of the things that I learned about Mr. Beast, and this was actually when he was being interviewed on the Joe Rogan experience, was he ended up taking all of his English content and then basically created a Spanish YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. I, I thought I, it was like, again, something so very simple, but it just blew my mind. He was already getting millions and millions of views. And then now he gets to like 10 X that because now he, he goes after his Spanish audience. That's such a genius idea. And I think it's something that I've seen a lot of the very big YouTube brands, meaning like YouTube channels that are also brands in and of themselves like him. I worked for a, a very long time with a YouTube brand called Smosh. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they did the same thing. They had their Smosh channel and then they created L Smosh and they, they hired a team of voiceover artists, I think in South America, and they dubbed all of their videos. And we're talking thousands of videos and we're able to reach an entirely new audience. I think that's so cool. I love that. Uh, So let's, let's talk about another aspect of your career now. Okay. So especially when you first started off in entertainment news, um, you were the interviewer. 
of, you know, to many people. As a matter of fact, Jocelyn, you won't remember this, but I swear to God, there was actually one time we were all hanging out at a party. I was <laughs> barbecuing. And again, we were all hanging out and someone was like, oh, you know, Jocelyn, interview Dennis. And I'm barbecuing <laughs> and you started interviewing me. And I swear to God, my butthole puckered up so much because you were so professional and you had set me up in like this way that I, I just, I just had to knock it out of the park That's and I just funny. failed miserably I because doubt I was, that. I well, doubt it, that. But, but you were just so professional. I guess that was the thing that I was so shocked with. I mean, we were all 22, 23 at the time. Right. That's and funny. here comes you and you're, it's like, Oh my God, who is this girl that is like, like so professional about herself. So uh, you know, I'm curious then as an interviewer, you know, you've had the chance. Let me see. You've interviewed, you know, some of these people are a celebs and others not so much. But, you know, from Samuel Jackson, Jamie oh, yeah. Foxx uh, to, you know, comics, Angela, Angela Johnson, uh, singer Sam Smith. These are people, wide ranging characters that you're interviewing. What are some of the, you know, techniques or what how do you approach these interviews? Gosh, well, it's it so depends what kind of like format it is or where you are, because sometimes, you know, I've been on red carpets and you're just being thrown people and you're like, I don't know what's happening or who these people are. So I think so much of it, and this is going to sound really simplistic, but it's just true. So much of it is just about listening. A is the main thing with interviews and with conversations in general, being a great listener allows you to go places that you maybe otherwise would not have when, you know, I was kind of learning more about hosting and, and TV hosting specifically and being an entertainment news journalist or just a journalist in general, you know, you, you come in with like a, a list of questions. Like these are the things I want to ask this person. And you always want to be prepared. And I always was, but then you also have to give yourself the flexibility to go somewhere else because this person might reveal to you the most interesting or new information that the world doesn't know. And okay, that's where the conversation needs to go now. But if you're not listening and they reveal something to you, and then you're just like question number three, and just moving on without actually listening to what they're telling you, you miss those golden moments. So I think, I mean, and the same goes for just conversations in life too. Sometimes we're talking to someone, but instead of listening to them, we're thinking about what they, what we want to say or how we want to answer or what we want to ask. And I'm very much an excitable person. So sometimes I do have to fight the urge, especially when I'm interviewing people to try to stay like really calm <laughs> and, and really in tune with listening. And I think that's, that's really the main piece of advice that I would give people. It just allows you to get to know people in a really authentic way as well, which I think that's what viewers want. They're tired of the same questions of like, what was it like on set? Like, okay, cool. Let's, what else can we ask? And that's a very hard task as well. So, um, and you also have to always try to match this person's mood because maybe you're talking to someone who's having a hard day or having a high energy day or having a weird day or whatever. And how do I communicate with this person? So as to like service, whatever project I'm working on and get the content I need while also 
helping them to communicate in the most effective way they can. So it's a lot of things really to think about, but I think the main key is just listening, which I mean, is such a boring answer, but it's so true. No, again, I, I think this is one of those understated aspects, right? And, uh, you know, maybe to, to add to this too, I guess, ha- have you, have you thought about how you listen? Like, I'm sure throughout the years, you've had to have like mastered certain techniques for one, right? I remember, I don't do this as much, but I remember probably 10 years ago, one of the techniques that I learned and, you know, I would, I would do it all the time, almost to the point where it became annoying to people who would talk to me because it's like, I, I know what you're doing, Dennis. I see the technique you're doing. And that was basically to restate, you know, regurgitate what they told me so that's, I could tell them what they said so that we were on the same page, right? So that was mm-hmm. like one of those effective means of of listening and, and communicating. And is there anything on your end that you also kind of practiced and internalized? Gosh, nothing that I can think of that like. Pops you're just you're just a natural, super, huh? No, that's super explicit. I also think a lot of this just comes with practice and you know, especially with interviewing celebrities specifically, there are so many cooks in the kitchen before you go in to interview a celebrity or before you go to a red carpet, before you talk to a single person, you've already been approached by three to four people telling you very strictly what you can and cannot ask, how you can and cannot act, who you can ask for a photo with or not ask for a photo with, how are you filming this person? So it's, it goes so far beyond just the questions it's, you know, or just how you're making someone feel it. it, It's very complicated in the Hollywood and celebrity world. And I think that can really tend to get in your head. If you let it, like you're more focused on, Oh my gosh, am I going to get in trouble? What's going to happen? Is someone going to yell at me? Am I going to make someone mad? And so all of that just comes with time and with practice. And that's why I also think that while I do really believe it's important to listen and let the conversation go where a person wants it to, You also have to be prepared because many times when you're interviewing someone who is a high profile person, whether it's a celebrity or otherwise, they have very limited time. So in a lot of these scenarios, you're told you have two and a half minutes to ask three questions and that's it, you know, and you're just like, oh my gosh, how do I tell this person's life story in 95 seconds? It's very daunting, obviously. So you just kind of have to think about like, who are you working for on that day? What outlet or, you know, what YouTube channel or whatever, what do they need? What's the priority here and kind of go from there. So it's preparation meets opportunity, which I think is all obviously like so much of life as well. And I think the way that you're, if I understand the way that you're, you're going into it, right. This goes back to the idea of approaching this like a business, Right. So what what does the 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 company that hired me to be on this red carpet event, who is the audience? So trying to understand who that customer is, who the who mm-hmm. the, who the audience is and then deliver appropriately. Oh, yeah, that's square one. That's the first question always is who is the audience? Who am I talking to through the camera? You know, I think when I'm, you know, talking into 
my phone or whatever. Who am I talking to? Am I talking to my mom and her friends? Am I talking to my girlfriends? Am I talking to teenagers? Am I talking to five-year-olds? Like who is the audience? And also what are they into? Like, what are they excited about? So it might be Marvel. It might be video games. It might be skateboarding. It might be politics, whatever the case you are there. I'm there to be a conduit in those circum in those situations where I'm interviewing people, it's my job to create this really cool bridge between the fans that are watching and their favorite celebrity or their favorite person or whatever. And how do I best do that for them? Mm. So that's the way I think of it for sure. Mm. Ada, do you have a follow-up or anything? No, but it was so interesting to listen because um, like all these things you said about listening to people and thinking about what is the audience. I was thinking I basically use very, very similar approach in my lessons. Yes. So when I listen to to my students, I know that uh, this is what they want. This is what they like. So usually in my first lesson is not about teaching. It's just about listening what they want how they want it, if they tried something before. And I always, always have, of course, some questions or something that we can do if they don't want to speak. But that's something that I started to do maybe like last half, six months, maybe half year. Hmm. And it works. I have amazing students. (laughs) That's awesome. So, yeah. I can see that it works everywhere. So Jocelyn, you're, you're one step away from uh, taking your first language course in Czech. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, that would be great. Then it gives me an excuse to travel somewhere where I can use it. Right. Especially have you been to the Czech Republic? Not. I would love to though. Jocelyn, you would, you would hit it out of the park in the Czech Republic. Great. When can we go? (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. So let's touch upon something else with regards to the entertainment space. And and maybe um, I want to talk about some of your battle wounds. Uh, Again, entertainment, the entertainment industry is very rough. Mm -hmm. I imagine, again, most like a lot of big industries, it's even tougher on women trying to pursue it. What's what's your battle stories? What are what are some of your battle stories that you've you've encountered? Well, listen, I think I knew I was someone who was cut out for this business because early on, especially when I was first starting out uh, with hosting and I was doing a lot of modeling and commercials and that kind of stuff, I would go on like five auditions a day for years. And the amount or the percentage of those that you're actually booking is so small. It's so small. So you really do have to get to a place to where you walk in, you do your absolute best. And then you forget that it ever happened. (laughs) And I really genuinely mean that because I think otherwise it's just, it's a hard life to live. So thankfully for me, and really that's a credit to my own community in real life, my parents, my family, my friends, my chosen family, I already kind of like knew who I was. Well, however much, you know, yourself at 22 or 23 when I was getting started in this business. So I wasn't really struggling with an identity crisis, which I think is something that a lot of young people face, understandably so, when you're working in this industry. I also grew up pretty close to the quote unquote Hollywood world. So growing up, I had friends whose parents kind of worked in the business. So to me, like the curtain had kind of been pulled back. So I think that was 
helpful to me. I knew that these people were just normal human beings. And so there was like a lot less pressure, I think from me in that way, but absolutely. I've had so many failures, whether it's just totally botching an audition. I mean, now I can really laugh about them. Can you tell us a, a botched edition though? That's I yeah. mean, gosh, there's one that really stands out when I was really early in my hosting days, I was working a lot in the music business. So I had really kind of carved out a path for myself. I was kind of like a music expert. That was the genre that I was really familiar with. And there was a TV network that was big at the time. Um, I don't know if it still has any shows like this, but that was hiring kind of like a VJ. And I was like, perfect for that. I mean, I can even say that now looking back, I was perfect for that job. And I, oh my gosh, I just, whatever the opposite of nailing an audition is I did. And, um, the casting director, I could tell was like kind of confused because looking at my resume my experience and everything, it seemed like I would have been a good fit. And I did such a bad job in the audition that they were just like, thank you, which is bad. You always want them to ask you to do it again, try something different. You want follow-up questions. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I just ruined that. I'm like, did I ruin my life? I have no idea. I definitely did not ruin my life. And I'm really, really glad in hindsight that that job opportunity did not work out because it led me on a totally different path, which is how I think life is really. I think you mostly fail. Like people mostly fail. It's a part of the experience. People who are like, I'm too scared to like, you know, pursue my dream or whatever. Cause I'm scared. I'm going to fail. I always tell them, Oh, you will. You definitely will. You will fail. Maybe not in huge ways. I hope not, but in small ways you absolutely will. And that's, you cannot let this fear paralyze you from taking these leaps and these calculated risks also, because failure is just a part of the process. Also, you know, I spent gosh, over 10 years building this company clever. Like I mentioned, we had sold it. So I was no longer involved as much on the business side and our parent company just shuttered one day. So this, this company that I had been building for 10 years, just one day was gone. Do I think that was a failure of my own? Absolutely not. But was it a failing in general? Yes. 100%. Did it affect my life? Absolutely. But now that I have space away from it, you know, I'm even grateful for that, which kind of sounds wild. How did, how did it affect your life out of curiosity? Well, I mean, one day myself and my entire team had jobs and the next day, no one did (laughs) except a few of us, a few of us, I maintained my, my employment. Um, the company was shut down and the bank took over we sold it to another major media company, And, you know, I think it was just a really good transition moment for my life. I had spent so many years building that company and I was really at a place where I was ready to bet on myself, whatever Pinterest quote you want to insert. I was, um, I mean, honestly, for lack of better terms, since I'm amongst friends, I was just tired of making a lot of old men, very rich. And I was like, where's my vacation home in Malibu? So I'm done. I'm going to go bet on myself. Good luck. Best wishes. Um, Uh, And now you have your vacation home in Arizona, (laughs) right? Airbnb. Dennis, thank you so much. I do. I do. It's not Malibu, but it's still really cute. (laughs) Well, you know, talking about the whole betting on yourself, that reminds me, this has been said before, I don't know who the original sources of this quote, but the person I remember saying it in which it was ingrained on me was Olivia Munn. 
And she said the whole, you know, if you if you bet on yourself, if you bet on yourself and lose, you learn the lesson. If you bet on yourself and win, you're you're effing rich. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So and so that yeah. a great example of that too. I mean, she had a whole separate career before she started acting, and she's obviously been super successful on her path. And I'm sure she's had to take a lot of calculated risks also. So Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anna, do you have any questions before we get to this one kind of last bonus question here? Mm-hmm. Um, no, we, we can continue. That is bonus. I don't know what the bonus is, but... <laughs> well, it's a bonus question because, uh, you know, so this will be mainly an audio uh, episode here, but since everyone is looking all sharp uh, and, and, well, Jocelyn, you, you're very, I don't know what... Very casual. Well, that's that's like desert trendy over there. Like you kind of have that, yeah, it's like Thank you have you. that soft orange colors and peach colors. <laughs> and All right, so anyhow... Um, so for people that want to know more about this bonus question on what we're going to ask Jocelyn, you will have to go over to Substack and then you can watch the video of this and you can see her answer this question to herself or herself. <laughs> so Jocelyn, what I want to ask you is, you know, we've, we've talked about, Anna had talked about earlier about this whole idea of freelancers, be it wherever they are, wanting to join the ranks of Hollywood. Um, you've given some very, you know, good tips um, many of them, I'm sure I will enumerate them later. Um, but obviously digital media has allowed most anyone now to break through the ranks of specifically Hollywood and be involved in the entertainment industry. You, you know, digital media has essentially flattened the world so that you no longer, again, you don't know, you no longer have to take a flight. You could just post on YouTube, post on TikTok. So my question is, is how important is it then for someone to be in Hollywood versus not be in Hollywood to break through? Business class, if you want to watch this bonus segment, please visit 24hourjournal.substack.com and become a subscriber. Let's finish out the episode and hear from Jocelyn one last time. Well, Jocelyn, Thank you. You're I mean, welcome. What, 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 what's on tap? What's on tap for you next? Gosh, well, um, you know, I still am definitely creating content on my own platforms and also hosting just in general for various different outlets and doing the freelance thing myself. And in the last couple of years, especially during COVID, and I've always been as a caveat, I've always been very interested in interior design. I love HGTV. I just never really thought I would have the opportunity to move into that kind of content because it seemed very like, how does one get started in that? But lucky for me, as luck would have it, my husband is in real estate. So we're working on our 12th remodel of a home right now. Um, some of them we flip, some we keep, we have a few Airbnbs. We're working on a hotel right now and I create content surrounding all of these projects and also I'm working on them. So that's been super fun. I've really enjoyed kind of pivoting slightly still with, I'm still in the entertainment news world, but moving into a different genre of entertainment, which is more lifestyle, more home design, things like that. That's been a really fun new challenge for me. And also kind of scary. It's always, 
a little nerve wracking to try something new, but I've really been enjoying it. So if you guys or anyone, you know, any of your listeners or viewers are interested in that kind of content, please come join the party with me on YouTube or wherever you watch. And that's really what I'm focused on. That's really one of my primary focuses at the moment. So I've really, really been enjoying it too. That's very cool. And I can introduce you to someone who I think would be able to help you break through on the home design front in the Hollywood space. Nice. Her name is Jocelyn Davis. (laughs) (laughs) What's up? What's up? But like the house I'm sitting in, for example, right now, if any of you can see it, um, we, my husband and I did this entire house ourselves. Like I DIY all the artwork. Like this place was completely different. And now it's just a cozy, casual home that's on Airbnb that people, and we've barely been here. It's been booked pretty much solid since we opened it. So you just never know where life is going to take you. You really don't. And I'm just, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to still be kicking. (laughs) Well, we look forward to seeing you on some more Hollywood entertainment shows and and, uh, home design. I think that'd be amazing. You've always had a good fashion sense about you. So that will be fun. Thank well, you. thank you very much, Jocelyn. I will post links to follow Jocelyn on the episode page. And Anna, thank you very much for joining. We'll be in touch again on another episode. Business class. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Wisco Weekly. As we end every episode, cheers. Prost, lachaim, kipis, nastravi, salut, kampai, mabruk, tutsin, kambe, yamas, nastrovie, vo, salute, and saudi to the customer <laughs> experience. Mm-hmm.